The Mountain Vista Baptist Church podcast features the preaching and teaching of Pastor Robert Perry and the guest speakers of Mountain Vista Baptist. The purpose of this podcast is to help believers grow, to edify the saints, and to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our Bibles tonight, let's go to the book of 1 Corinthians again, and we're going to pick up in chapter number 2 this evening. Of course, this morning we uh, finished off uh, the latter part of uh, chapter number 1, and we considered our calling, uh, the Apostle Paul writing into the church at Corinth has stated uh, in verse number 26, for you see your calling, brethren, and how that not many are wise men after the flesh, nor mighty men, nor noble men are called. And uh, we considered the fact that uh, the Lord's uh, love, His grace and mercy is, um, it has been extended to all, and uh, He's not necessarily looking for the wisest of individuals or the most talented or those that have it all put together. His love is unconditional and he loves us all. And uh, because of that, uh, you and I have had the opportunity to trust Christ as our Savior. We know if we've trusted him as our Savior that heaven's our home, that we have a relationship um, uh, with him. And uh, we're thankful for that. But also as we consider that, as we consider the fact that God has been so good in extending salvation to us, it ought to motivate us out of uh, ex- the experience of God's love uh, to desire that others would know that love as well, so that others might be able to feel what we have felt and to experience the saving power of Jesus Christ. And, and um, we pick up here in chapter number two, Paul continuing to write, he's discussed this to the believers here at, Cor- at Corinth that, hey, remember what the Lord has done for you and let that seep in and and let it affect your life, and let you remember uh, how, all that the Lord has done for you. And then in chapter number two, he, he continues on with what the Lord has done, and how it ought to motivate us to reach out and declare. Uh, and he speaks of the preaching of the cross, and that's what we're going to discuss this evening. So look at with me verses one through five of First Corinthians chapter two. First Corinthians two, verses one through, one through five. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God, for I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling, and my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit of power and of power. Verse number five, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Our Father, we thank you for this evening again and the opportunity to, to be here, to hear your word and all that has been done already tonight. I ask that you give me the words to speak as I deliver your word and help us to hear from it, help us to grow closer to you. And uh, Lord, help us to accomplish your will tonight. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, of course, we live in a day and age that has been coined or termed as an information age, right? If you have a smartphone, you can pull that out of your pocket or out of your purse, ladies, and, and if you've got internet access, probably not here in this building because it's metal, uh, but if you do have internet, internet access, you can type into Google and pull up uh, pretty much almost any information that you would seek for and desire to know in an instant. The truth of the matter is, this is relatively new abilities for our life, though. Uh, probably less than 100 years ago, uh, our world would have been much, much different. Uh, and in the grand scheme of things, 100 years ago wasn't that long. In the grand scheme of we consider what's going on in this world. See, 100 years ago, if someone sought for information, it was either received by word of mouth or reading by, off of a written page. And uh, pe- people used to have to rely on books. And I mentioned about finishing my master's and such. 
I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't visit the library one time uh, in studying for that, and I don't know that the, our library would have had what I needed to study anyways. I, I, I visited a lot of library sources, resources online, yes, but a physical library and physical books, uh, I use some, but not as much as digital resources, of course. But back in the day, about 10 years ago, <laughs> uh, there was, uh, we would have had to rely on those things and rely on books and, and uh, newspapers, uh, maybe the occasional telegraph or, or the pigeon that was uh, sent out the window and all those types of things, right, to gather information that we needed. And uh, we now live in a society where we have 24-hour access, seven days a week, uh, to pretty much any information that we desire, uh, readily available through a host of electronic devices and, and avenues, whether it be TV or internet or smartphones or emails or social media apps. In fact, many newspapers even today are struggling to stay afloat in the information age because, uh, and many have had to pivot and transform uh, their, their business model, if you may, because people are not necessarily as apt to pick up the paper in print. I still think it's pretty neat to see someone uh, maybe sitting on the park bench and have that paper folded just right so that they can read that section and they know exactly how to, to, to kind of navigate that. But that's a, that is something we rarely see take place oftentimes, honestly. And uh, this information age has had an impact even on the church as well. Uh, everyone is seeking uh, the latest seminar, the latest program, or the latest conference to maybe stimulate and to promote growth uh, among the church. And, and I, I regularly on, uh, on social media and, and through emails and such receive emails about the uh, latest conference and, and even mailers in the mail still, still about uh, the latest uh, church growth strategies and tips and tricks and, and all of those things and how to approach ministry. The thing about it is, is Paul's world would have been much different, though, than what we are experiencing in our world today. Uh, I'm sure he had struggles. I'm sure that he faced uh, different uh, things that are similar to what we face today, yes. But uh, when he preached to people uh, who were known for their wisdom and for their culture and their deep philosophical thought, it was because they had truly studied it and not because they watched a five-second YouTube video. When he faced somebody that had some smarts about them and some knowledge about them, it wasn't because they just listened to some podcast one day. These folks had spent some time studying these subjects and these topics, and no doubt because of that, Paul was continually pressured to try maybe something new or different or try to reach out and accomplish different things. And as tempting as it must have been, we find that Paul remained steadfast in his message. Now, the way he delivered the message was different at times. Sometimes he'd go into a city and he'd, he'd, he'd maybe go into the synagogue or to the temple and he'd declare the word of God there. Sometimes he'd go places that wouldn't have one of those and he would declare the word of God in those places in a different way. I'm not talking necessarily about methods being wrong or, or, or not using new technology or anything like that. I'm just saying Paul didn't allow the outside world to affect the ultimate message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that is something, my friends, that we have to make sure that we too desire and strive to not allow this world to affect our message today. And so as we continue tonight, I want to examine the assurances that Paul shares with us in this text. And I hope to emphasize 
Uh, ultimately, our, our goal and our desire and our calling to preach the cross of Jesus Christ, to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as we look through this passage, uh, I trust that you too will realize the need and the significance of the me- biblical message that we have in order to reach the lost. My friends, we have not been called to, to, to declare some type of social justice gospel. We have been called to declare the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We are, we are not, a, there's nothing wrong with providing food and resources for people. That is things that we can do for others. In fact, uh, Jesus said that when you've given those that were thirsty water or, or given uh, clothes to those who had no clothes, you've done that unto, the, we've, when you do it to the least of these, you've done it unto me. But those things have no impact on a person's eternity. We must keep the main thing, the main thing. And we discover Paul's message here as he preached the cross of Christ. Number one, that he, he had a central message. Notice verses one and two again with me. And it says, and I, came, and I brethren, when I came unto you, uh, came not with excellency, excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. See, Paul shared much as he preached uh, to the multitudes that he encountered, but his message always contained a central theme. When he would go in and speak to the Jewish audience, he would, of course, uh, realize who he was talking to and maybe tailor his speech or his message so that it would be easy for them to understand. But he didn't deviate from the central message of the cross. When he went to a Gentile world and and people who didn't know the ins and outs of the traditional uh, traditions of Judaism and such, he didn't go in there talking about the sacrifices of lambs and goats and such to try to convey convey the fact that Jesus was a lamb of God slain before the foundations of the world. He went knowing who he was speaking about or speaking to, but that didn't change the central focus or the central message of the cross when he declared it. And regardless of the location or the makeup of the crowd, Paul's preaching was always consistent. And we see here in verse number one, the presentation of this message. Again, we say, it says, and I, brethren, when I came to you, came uh, not with excellency of speech or of, a wi- of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. It's evident that Paul was faithful to declare the gospel to anyone who would hear. Everywhere he went, we read through Scripture that he was ready and prepared to declare the word of God uh, and the gospel of Jesus Christ to those who need it. Uh, And everywhere he went, he saw it as a mission field as well. But notice what he says and how he declared it. He didn't come with excellency of speech. He didn't come with, uh, with that of wisdom necessarily. Um, he, and, and he was coming with the, the main message of the cross of Jesus Christ. Now, let me tell you something this, this evening also. This is not Paul somehow elevating ignorance. Do you hear what I'm saying tonight? This is not Paul saying, uh, well, I'm not a very smart person, and it's okay that I'm not very smart, but I, you see what I'm saying? You've ever heard a preacher say that? And I, I get what they're saying, and maybe it's a little bit of, a, of humility that comes along with it as well. But when we boast in our ignorance, we got a problem. Paul was not an ignorant man. Consider his upbringing and his background. 
Paul was a man who was a Pharisee of the Pharisees and raised at the feet of Gamaliel. He was on the upward track to be able to accomplish much in the religious realm of his day. He was by no means unwise. But what he's saying is he is not coming to declare the word of God in some salesman tactic. He's not coming to declare the word of God in some way and trying to entice others with his intellect and the way that he's able to eloquently speak or anything like that. His main message was not look at me and the big words I can use, but look at my God and how powerful he is. And Paul saw everyone as someone who needed to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Can I tell you tonight that we will never share our faith if we're just waiting for the perfect situation? If we got to wait for all the stars to align and for everything to be perfect, we're never going to share our faith. Because we're always going to have that feeling that, oh, I don't know, they might not be ready to receive this. Or maybe they might reject what I want to have to say. Or, oh, I'm sure that they're just too busy. I was out with Brother, Brother Brian uh, last Saturday and knocking on doors. And uh, he knocked on a door and a lady opened it. And around here, it seems like every house has one of those security screen doors, right? And you can't see through it. And I've had, I have made the mistake, honestly, before someone coming to the door and I just hear a hello. I say, hey, sir, how you doing? My name's Bobby. I'm from Mount Vista. And then they open the door, and it's a woman. And I'm like, I hope they didn't hear what I said. <laughs> uh, you just can't see through those things. But uh, here this lady answered the door, and, and uh, you can't, I couldn't, we couldn't see her face. And Brother Brian's talking with her, and, and uh, he is uh, chatting about the church and inviting her. And she said, well, I, uh, I, I, I actually, you woke me up when you rang my doorbell. And uh, this was like 9.30 in the morning, and you wouldn't think that would be the case. But she works for, for child care and had had a long, busy week, she said. She was just trying to catch up on some rest. And so... He apologized for waking her and such, and he asked her for her name, and she said, I'd rather not say. I was like, oh, okay, that's different. Never had that happen before. Uh, but you couldn't see the person. They didn't want to share their name. Honestly, if I were at the door, I would have just stopped probably right there and said, well, we're going to leave this track right here on the door. Come and visit us anytime and moved on. He didn't stop there, though. <laughs> He continued chatting and asked her about her, her upbringing and, and church, and she said that she grew up Catholic and, and all this, and he, he presented the entire plan of salvation, the entire gospel to this lady through the screen door, never having been able to see her face, not knowing her name. I got the impression she wasn't interested in, at all in what was going on, but he was able to share the entire gospel message. Now, she said she had trusted Christ as her Savior. And uh, I don't know if that's the case, only her and God know that, but I do know this, she at least heard the gospel message, and uh, now there's no, of course, no excuse for uh, her not knowing Christ. She never opened the door, she never told us her name, but when everything was said and done, he said, is there anything I can pray about for you? And he said, my, she said, my grandma's health is really bad, would you pray for my grandma? And he said, what's her name? She was glad to uh, share that. <laughs> And he bowed his head right there with the screen door separating us and prayed for that young lady's grandma and for her health. Can I just say tonight that in my estimation, it wasn't the perfect time to try to share the gospel with her. But he stayed sensitive to the Holy Spirit and continued to go forward. And until she would close the door and say no, he wanted to share it and was able to. I'm just saying we're not ever going to have the perfect time. And if we wait for it, we'll probably never share it. 
Notice the perception of this messenger, though, as well. I kind of already jumped ahead of myself a little bit here as we look in verse number one, where he says, I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom. Remember, as I mentioned, keep in mind that Paul was a very educated man. He was not a slouch by any means. He was not a bum, uh, but he was not coming to try to promote himself. He was coming to promote the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And notice the principle of this message at the latter part of verse number one. He said, declaring unto you the testimony of God. Paul did not covet some personal recognition. He was not trying to uh, have people say, uh, uh, look at what Paul is doing. In fact, I think his life mirrored what, the, what John the Baptist said when he said, I must decrease, but he must increase. It wasn't about Paul. It wasn't about his accolades. It wasn't about his acceptance or his recognition. He preached Jesus Christ and him crucified. And that was the principle of the message that he brought. Notice in verse number two, the priority of this message where he says, For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. See, many in Paul's day were influenced by the Greek culture and their, and their philosophy, and, and those that were perceived wise uh, in their day were elevated in their society. They were uh, lifted up, and they, uh, they were somebody in their society. And, and as we said, Paul was, uh, he, he could have held his own in any debate. He could have sat down with any of the philosophers of his day, and I believe held his own with the greatest minds of his day. He wasn't trying to figure out all of life's grand questions like, did Adam have a belly button? <laughs> Where did Cain you know, get his wife? He wasn't set out to try to figure out all of life's greatest mysteries like, get, can God make a rock so big and heavy that he himself can't move it? He wanted and desired simply to declare the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Why? Because he knew the sinful state of mankind. He knew that even the wisest of individuals needed to hear the gospel as well. It seems that our world is consumed with securing some type of a, a lavish lifestyle, something that kind of helps us to be known and we can have a, have a, a status symbol, if you may. And yet, while, we're all, while the, our world is constantly striving to reach and accomplish and gain more, it seems as though they never take a, a thought of what's going to happen after their life is over here. There's nothing wrong with enjoying a healthy, fulfilling life, but what the world needs most is a relationship with Christ through faith. That is what this world needs most. And the church has not been called to jump on the bandwagon of popular culture. The church has not been called to, to be the, the forefront of the social justice movement. My friends, I'll tell you this. If people would get their hearts right with Jesus, then the social justice problem that we have in our world would take care of itself. But the problem is, is we're focusing on the the, the, uh, the symptoms instead of the source. We need to declare that Jesus died for all mankind and he alone is the one that is needed. 
We find that he had a central message, but notice secondly with me that he had a confident ministry as well in verses 3 through 4. In verse number 3, he says, I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. In verse number 4, when my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Paul now reveals the elements that provided this confidence in his ministry while he was deter- why he was determined to know nothing but Jesus Christ and Him crucified, and why he believed that he was able to accomplish uh, so much through that message, while he, why he was able to say, as we read in Romans, that I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. But before we consider that, let me help you to see this evening the inability of this servant. In verse number three, he says this again, and I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. Paul speaks of his attitude and awareness uh, that, of while he, uh, uh, while he is ministering there in Corinth. There's no sense of arrogance. There's no sense of self-confidence within this apostle. Actually, we find a personal description that maybe would, many would not have cons- considered to have ever come from Paul. I mean, Paul experienced great victories in his life for Christ. But here Paul says that he was with them in weakness and in fear and in trembling. It's a recognition that in and of himself, in and of himself the servant is enabled. By himself, without the power of Christ, there was nothing that he could truly accomplish. And the same is true for you and I today. You've heard me say over and over and over and over again as we've approached this missions conference, please pray and ask the Lord to guide you in what you should do concerning missions. Please pray for the Lord to reveal to you what He would have you do concerning giving to missions. Please pray and ask the Lord to help you to be the witness that He would have you to be. Please pray and rely on Him. Over and over and over again, I've asked you to pray. I've never asked you to look at your bank account. I've never asked you to check your budget. I've never asked you to figure out if it's physically and and literally possible for you to participate. I've asked you to rely on the power of God. Because my friends, if I were to just take it out the checkbook and write out some number and say, I think that will do, I'm going to miss out on the blessings of God's power on that. Because at that point, I'm just relying on myself. I, I figured it out myself to try to, to, to say, oh, I think I can accomplish this, and I think I can do this. And my friends, anytime we get in that mindset and that attitude of, I know what's best for me, we are in deep trouble as Christians. Paul said that I came in weakness and in fear and much trembling because he realized that if he were to do it all alone, he was in trouble. But notice the ability of the Spirit here in verse number 4. My speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power. See, Paul knew his inability was more than uh, compensated by the ability that the Holy Spirit provided for him. His preaching was effective not because he was the great orator. His preaching was effective not because he had a three-point alliterated outline. His preaching was effective... Because the Spirit of God was empowered in. And he was relying on the Spirit to accomplish his work. But notice as we close that he had also had a clear motive. In verse number 5, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. 
See, Paul rejoiced and assured the Corinthians and all believers that their faith and their salvation does not rest in the wisdom or the power of men. They had not believed in the message of Paul. He was the mail carrier, if you may. He was the delivery boy, yes. But he was not asking them to put their faith and their trust in a mere mortal man. His message that he declared pointed them to a risen Savior. His message pointed them to a Christ that, would, uh, could, that had the ability and the power to save their soul. There would be occasions where their faith was tested, and there would be times of opposition and of doubt, but they could rest assured in their salvation because their salvation wasn't based on circumstances. Their salvation was based on their Savior. God had offered it through the sacrifice of His Son, and no one, no one and no thing could take it away. Paul found challenge and comfort in that. He, of course, uh, delivered this message again to the Corinthian church here, and they found comfort and challenge in that as well. And I'd have to say tonight, my friends, that we too surely should find comfort and a challenge from that same message for us today. Again, if we are here tonight and we've trusted Jesus Christ as our Savior, we've experienced an amazing gift of His grace. We've experienced love that is unconditional and, and unmatchable, honestly. And much of what the world offers today, we might be able to find some, some happiness and, and some temporal joy in those things. But let's be honest, even in those things, the things that the world can offer for us all carry some type of risk. And they're subject to change. When I do open up the checkbook or look online and, and there's a positive balance in my bank account, I'm happy about that. But how quickly would that joy and happiness fade if it was a negative balance? If I were to rely on someone else, if I were to find my comfort and my happiness and my joy in you, I'm going to be disappointed at times. And let's be honest, if you find your comfort and your joy and your happiness in me, you've done messed up. <laughs> but when I realize what God has done for me, what a comfort it is to know that nothing can take that away. And really, should it not challenge us as well? Paul said it this way, it's the love of Christ that constrains me. So my question is then, doesn't that make you want to tell someone else about Jesus? Doesn't it motivate you? No, hey, listen, not earning His love, but living in His love. Amen. Doesn't it motivate you? Doesn't it excite you? Doesn't it, doesn't it just push you and, and constrain you to want to tell someone else and, and to do what you can to be able to get the gospel to those who desperately need it? Can't even imagine being somewhere in this world and, and someone who knows Christ and someone who is a, 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 a faithful soul winner coming up to me and say, have you ever heard about Jesus? And me saying, no, I've never heard the name. Couldn't even imagine it. But there's still people in this world today that have never heard the name of Jesus. 
and knowing the love that you've experienced and the love that God has poured out on you. And he has enough love to share it with this entire world. And knowing that he wants to, and yet there are still some that haven't experienced it. Doesn't it make you want to have everyone enjoy the hope and the assurance that you have? The same power that saved you is the same power that remains and is able to save those who are still without him. We've got to do our part. We've got to do our part to present the gospel, to preach the cross. Paul said that, hey, I didn't come to you declaring anything else but the cross of Jesus Christ. And I'm here to tell you tonight that as we send out these missionaries, we're not sending them just out so that you can just do some social projects and build buildings to give people shelter in, the, in those countries. We're not just sending them so that they can bring medical uh, needs to those places. My friends, those things are necessary. But if all they do is come to a place and get their, te their teeth fixed or get some med medicine put, pumped into their body and then are sent away without hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ, we've just fix fixed a temporary problem got to do our part to be sure about reaching the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And these missionaries that we're bringing in and that we're wanting to support, these are missionaries that are going, and yes, they'll do things to help the world that where they're at and to help those in need and those that are in poverty and those that are ill and, and, and needing health care and such. They'll do their part to help in those ways when they can, but their number one goal is to bring, bring the gospel to that region. That's the most important thing. I would hate, be careful how I, say, how I say this tonight and not come across the wrong way, but I truly would hate to stand before God one day and say that I'd rather have a Big Mac cheeseburger than someone be saved. I would hate to have that feeling of knowing that I could have I could have given a little. It doesn't have to be a lot, my friends. And I'm not here twisting your arm tonight and saying you've got to make some type of emotional response and you've got to do, do this or that. And you've got to dedicate this much. I'm saying follow the Lord's will in your life and seek his guidance in this matter. But I think of the little boy with just a little lunch and look at what the Lord did with that. Amen. My wallet has receipts, not cash in it. But even if it was a dollar in there, and that's all that I could give, my friends, God can do much with that dollar. Amen. I am not praying this missions conference for a certain amount of money to be designated or to be committed. I am praying for 100% participation from the people of Mountain Vista Baptist. Because if we all would just do what the Lord has led us to do, we'd have, we'd have plenty to be able to send out these missionaries and to reach this world with the gospel. I've said it before and I'll say it again. I can either be a go-missionary or a co-missionary. I'm either going to go to the foreign field and take the gospel or I'm going to co-labor with one that will. I'm going to co-labor with them through prayer. 
I'm going to co-labor with them through financial support. I'm going to co-labor with them through uh, through support and, and maybe supplying needs that they might have. I might even co-labor with them by going and visiting, visiting, visiting them one day. But I'm not going to be a regular in that foreign field, but I can co-labor with them. I'll go right where I'm at. I'll be ready with a gospel track to share it with someone. I'll be ready with the, uh, with the gospel and, and uh, being able to share with my neighbors or my friends or my coworkers and even my family members when the Lord brings those opportunities around. But I'm also going to co-labor with those who are going elsewhere to places where I can't go so that the gospel, the cross of Jesus Christ can be preached. The church, the church exists today, and we sit here today so that we might be able to be equipped and energized for the mission that the Lord has laid before us. We have not come here tonight just so that we can get our ears tickled, patted on the back, told how good we are just so we can have a place to meet with friends. Those are all benefits of meeting together. We get to meet with friends. We get encouragement from one another. But that's not why we exist. If we just come to church expecting and looking for just that, we've totally missed the mark. There's a mission that God has for us, and He's left for us, and that is to reach the world with the gospel. This week, as a church, we're going to decide how we're going to participate in that. And my prayer is that you will have seen, as Paul has declared to the church at Corinth, remember the calling of God when he extended salvation to you? Remember how good he's been to you? I re Paul said, I remember it. And when I came to you, I didn't come to tell you about how good a guy I was came to share with you what the Lord did for me so that you could experience it also. If you're tonight and you've experienced the love of Jesus Christ, doesn't it challenge you? Doesn't it motivate you to want to declare that to someone else also? I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet with me this evening. There is bowed and our eyes closed. I have a time of invitation. I know we've got some business to take care of tonight, but let's, uh, let's not jump ahead of, of the Lord. Let's uh, follow His leading. And, uh, and uh, do as he sees fit tonight. So with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I want to ask a few simple questions. How many here would say, Pastor, I know I'm saved. I know I'm on my way to heaven. And if I were to die tonight, I'd stand before God and hear, Welcome home, child. Could I just rejoice with you? Slip your hand up and right back down. Hands all across the auditorium. Praise God for that, the opportunity to be in, other, in the presence of other believers. I wonder if there'd be anyone here tonight who'd just be honest enough to say, though, Pastor, I'm not sure that I'm saved. I don't know that I've ever accepted Christ as my Savior. I wouldn't embarrass you or call you out or anything like that, but I do want to pray for you. And if you're here tonight and that's you and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, could I pray for you this evening? Just slip your hand up and write back down. Anybody like that? And one last question. How many here would say, Pastor, pray with me? That we've, as I've considered the messages this this, from this morning and tonight, uh, that, you would, uh, that you just pray with me, Pastor, that I would uh, hear from the Lord that I would seek His will, and that I would be obedient uh, to his, his working in my life 
in regards to how I might be a witness here and abroad through missions. And if that's your heart tonight, could I partner in prayer with you this evening? Just slip your hand up and write back down. Hands all across this auditorium. Then I'm going to pray while I'm praying. When I'm finished praying, the music's going to begin to play. The piano's going to play. And then I'm going to open up the altar this evening. If you'd like to come forward and kneel and humbly bow before the Lord and ask Him for His guidance in that way, I'd encourage you to do so. Or maybe if you're unable to kneel right there where you're at in your seat, that you call out to the Lord. But Father, we do thank You for this evening, for Your goodness in our life. God, we pray and ask that you would just hear our petitions tonight, that you'd hear and, and uh, that you would help us and guide us and that we would seek your will and be obedient to that end concerning how we might be able to, to reach this world for you. And Lord, we praise you and thank you for your goodness. Have your will and your way in this invitation. We do ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.